Okay, we're learning Dabvav. We're starting right from the bottom of uh, Hayam and Bates, about six, seven lines up. So what happened was we had a long discussion on Dabvav about how do we know Mechitzos have to be 10 Tvachim high? And the question was, how do we know Sukkah has to be 10 Tvachim high? And as we saw in the Gemara, essentially the question is, how do you know what defines Rishos, what defines a specific area of domain, which is what then leads to how tall a Sukkah has to be? Where do we see that such a, such a thing is 10 Tvachim high? So the Gemara tried different things. We tried learning from the height of the Kaporis, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu met Moshe. We tried learning from the height of the Kruvim, where the Torah describes them as being a schach. But it didn't work out within the opinion of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda's calculation of the Amos was that there are five Tvachim, not six Tvachim, so it didn't end up working out. So the Gemara ended up saying that according to Rabbi Huda, it's Halach of Moshe Misinai. We couldn't find the source, and we just say it must be some sort of tradition that we have handed down from Moshe Misinai. And the Gemara brought a statement to support that. There are three things that are halacha mishmisinais. Shiurin, all types of measurements, which we'll explore today. Chatzitzis, the halacha that something, nothing can be blocked in the body in the mikvah when you go. And the halacha mechitzis, halacha mishmisinai. So that supports our idea that uh, we could say that according to Rabbi Yudah, what is the minimum height? The tenth falcon could be halacha mishmisinai. So now the Gemara goes through, though, what Rav said. Shiurin daraisman inu. What are you talking about? Shiurin or something which you can see in the Torah. Now, even though the language of the Gemara is Doraita, it doesn't mean to say that if it's Halacha Moshe Misinai, then, you know, the Rabbanon made it up. But as we said, it's Halacha Moshe Misinai. So it comes from Sinai, obviously it's a Doraita. But the Gemara means, is it something that comes as an oral tradition, or is it something which you can see in a Pasuk? So the Gemara is challenging that Shiurin is something which is seen in a Pasuk. The Torah describes Eretz Yisrael, Pasha Zekev, the greatness of Eretz Yisrael. It says it's Eretz Chitos, Sargef, and Tein of Irima. Eretz Yisrael and Tevasha. We know the simple shot in the pasuk is that it's describing the Torah as being Meshavech Eretz Yisrael that it have these that it has these special seven fruits. However, for Amar Rav Chanan, called pasuk Azel Yisrael and Nema, Rav Chanan sees that the the greatness of Eretz Yisrael is that all of nature it's like a very it's like a spiritual point where all of the all of the nature in the land of Israel reflects in halacha. There's every each one of these seven things is a shear for a different context in halacha. So we go through each one. Chita, the shear of chita, the base of Menuga. It's about the house that has saras. So regarding the house that has saras, so we have different psukim. So the Torah talks about when, when a house becomes tamay. So what happens is anything that's bought el habayas, anything that comes into the house also becomes tamay. So the, let's say somebody would walk in, he would become tamay. Let's say some, an object is carried inside, it would become tamay. But then we have a, a leader, there's a pasuk, there's a chiluk in the, that, that for a person, to be, when he enters to become tamay, so tamay, that even the clothes that he is wearing for them to become tamay, the Torah says that he eats there. And we end up interpreting, based upon the language of the Pasuk, he doesn't literally have to eat there. But if he spends the amount of time in the house that it takes to eat the half a loaf of, he- of wheat bread, that as we're going to see, then that will make not only that he becomes tummy, but even his clothes become tummy. So let me just speak out this concept, not such a simple concept. If, if, if an item itself is brought into a house, the item becomes tummy. But if the item is being worn, then the item is not considered ba'al-habayis. Because the item is there just because the person is there. In order for then the tumah to go, the person begets such a severe tumah that it's metami, not only him, but it transfers for his clothes as well, it has to be that the person spends a lot of time there. And this is actually like a real makar for the idea of, let's say, like on Shabbos, if you're wearing something, you're not considered to be carrying it, right? If, you're, if it's tuffled to your body, you're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not carrying that thing, it's just part of wherever your body goes. 
like we kind of see this idea. The clothing aren't ball a bias if you're wearing them. They have to be there for a certain amount of time. So here we learn in the mission, if the garments are carried on your shoulders, if the shoes and the rings are in your hands, meaning you're carrying them, then so then the person coming in, his clothing, his rings, they all become tummy right away. Because if you're not wearing them, then they're not tuffled to your body. Then there's a direct uh, reading of Ba El Habayas on each of these items because they're coming in, they're being brought in. They're not coming agav his body, they're being brought directly in. He is holding them, he is carrying them as he comes in. However, top of the Amr Aleph, Hayyulavish, Kaylav, let's say he's wearing regularly his clothing, the sandal of Iraglov, his shoes are being worn on his feet. The rings are in his fingers. So in all these cases, the point is that the items are tuffle to his body. So then the halacha is who tamimiyat. He's a ball of eyes. He's tamim right away. But this is the, 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 the halacha the, uh, that the pasuk is referring to, that you, it's only, they only become tamim when, when he eats there. The clothing, the shoes, and the rings are tar, unless he spends the amount of time that it would take to eat a pras. Now, pras means a half. So what does it mean, a half of what? So we're assuming it means, and this is based upon the halacha of Eretz Chita, a half a loaf of paschitin, of wheat bread, for lo basa but not barley bread. And what's the distinction? Rashi says that it takes shorter time to eat wheat than barley. It seems like the higher quality makes it easier to go down, easier to consume. So the pras, the half a loaf, of, is of, is of paschitin. Mesev, another point is that it's eaten while your person is reclining. Reclining was like the go-to natural position for eating, so we assume that you can consume it quicker when you're um, reclining. But And you can have a dip. So on, you know, we don't relate to this so well today because to us, you know, we say, what would, how could you eat bread quicker? When, you know, when you're dipping in hummus or when you eat a plain? So we say, I don't know, I'm probably eating a plain. I don't know, or dipping in hummus and putting more. But for the, it wasn't like that. For them, the lift on helped it get down. A lot of it was a lot of the quality. A lot of difference in the quality. But the bottom line is that we're saying the quickest way that a person would be able to consume the pras of the wheat loaf. And that's the halach of the wheat loaf. Again, the pastor doesn't say explicitly what he's eating. It just says someone who eats in the house. But we're saying that the Eretz Chita means someone who eats the pras of the, um, the half of the wheat loaf. Okay, that's the halacha for Be'as versus Ras. And again, that's Negea, when the kalim are being worn and tuffled to his body, so they're not tummy immediately, only when he spends that amount of time. What, is it, what do we do with barley? So, let's say you have pieces of a body. So if you have kezayis menameis, so kezayis menameis is metame ba'oel. And that's halachal, everything in that whole oil will become tame. But let's say I don't have a kezayis menameis. I just have a piece of the bone. And, and the bone, even if it's just the size of a barley kernel, it's metame with maga and masa. Not with ol, we go on to say, but with mago masa, either direct contact or carrying, even if you're not necessarily touching it, but you're picking it up. In those cases, the person becomes tame without touching it directly. But if you have, if it's in, a, in, a, in an ol with something else, then the, the other things don't become tame. So that's barley, a barley kernel, a very small amount. Gefen, what do we do with the, the vine, the grapes? Kedei revius yain le nazir. In regard to a nazir, a nazir is not allowed to drink wine. So how much wine is he not allowed to drink? So we say that it means a revius of wine. Revius means a quarter, a quarter of a look. Te'ina, what do we do with figs? Kugo geres Shabbos. On Shabbos, and it's interesting, the Gemara picks on Hotzah. It's not only Hotzah. For all of Malacha Shabbos, when we say there's a creative creative change in something, how big does the item have to be? You can talk about Bishel as well. How much do you have to cook on Shabbos to be high of, to be high of liability, for the liability? It's the size of a dried fig. Rimon, what is that? Whenever you have a kli, and a kli gets a hole, so this is the question. If you have a kli, it's Makabal Tumah, it has Tumah. 
But if it breaks, there's something to hold it, and it, now its 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 icker primary function is removed. Then even if it could technically still do something, but it's not its its, it's main shemesh is no longer there. It's not going to become dummy. It will lose its tumma. But what about if it's, it's something that you have in your house? You know, as I'm not talking about someone who had it, something he's going to sell. Nobody's going to buy uh, a kli with a hole in it. But imagine you have a household item that got a, a nice bowl that got a little hole. So obviously you're not going to use it to keep liquids in it anymore or something like that. It would seep out. And you wouldn't even use it to keep small little items also. They'll fall out through the hole. But I might use them to, 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 to store large items. So as long as the hole is less than the size of a pomegranate, then the tumma still remains. Because around the house, the function is to hold something, and as long as the hole isn't so great as the size of the pomegranate, people will still use it for its main shilash. But once it reaches the size of a pomegranate, then at that point, it loses the tumma. So that's what the din that we learned from Rima. Then we go on. Eretz, Zeish, Shem, and we first focus on the olives. So Eretz, Eretz Yisrael is, Shekol Shia every single shear in Eretz Yisrael depends on a kezayis. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? What do you mean every shear? We just mentioned a list of five other ones which, were, uh, which, which, which are not the size of an olive. So how could you say every shear in Eretz Yisrael is the size of an olive? Ella, rather, Rov is based upon is based upon a kezayis. So what are we talking about? So most of the things that we're talking about are macholos asuras. Whatever the Torah says, don't eat, you know, some eat of forbidden food or eat a certain amount. So when we assume the shear is kezayis. But it's also going to get other things like, you know, kezayis minamais, it's mitami ba'ol. But most of the shurim, if you take a poll, is, uh, is based upon kezayis. Okay? Then we have devash. So devash is really the honey, but we say it really means the ones that come from dates. So we're really more interested in the date than the honey. So that's Kikosefes Agasev Yom Kippur. That's what, that's what we just learned in Yuma. That the shear for, for Yisuvah Daita, not for eating, but for calming the mind. And somebody's fasting on Yom Kippur, that's the size of a Koseves Agasa, the large date. And we spoke about that with the pits. Without the pits, it gets complicated over there in Yuma. But the large date for eating on Yom Kippur. So at any rate, what do we see from all of this? Raf was telling us that it's a Halach Lomosh Misinai, Shur Malach Lomosh Misinai. Here we see that it's in the Pasuk. So the Gemara says, Alma Darayzin, and we see that they're in the Pasuk. So how could Rav say it's Allah Hamashim Sinai? So the Gemara says such an obvious point. But Tizbara, you really think what you're saying is a good question? Shi'urin Miksivi? Did the Torah say this year? So let's say, you know, we had, I'm going to take the first one. The Torah said that, that in the house of Taras, that if somebody eats in the house, then the Kalim Artame as well. And we're randomly saying, because the Torah says, Eretz Chita, so it means a half of a wheat, a wheat loaf. How did you know it was a half of a wheat loaf? How, how did you know that? All the Torahs of Chita. Torah says, Revius, right? We said that another can't drink Revius of wine. Did the Torah indicate Revius? Torah said, wine. How much wine? Maybe a look of wine. We have no idea from looking at there, and we don't know how to apply, what to apply, and what size to apply. So even though that's a reference here in the Pasuk that there's a concept that Eretz Yisrael is praised, that all, its nature itself reflects halacha, that might be true, but you can't say it's an absolute source in the psukim for what the shiurim are and what, what, what aspects of halacha. We really have to say, like we were saying, our assertion from Rav that is halacha mojim sinai across Malcolm The Pasuk is just supporting, it's just supporting that point. It's not exactly a source that we could say it's a darais. Okay, so the Gemara has accepted that point that shiurim are halacha mojim sinai. Now we go to the next one. Chatzitzin. So the Gemara says, Chatzitzin daraisin. And what are you talking about? That 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 is halach moshe misina. It's in the pasuk to siv. Barachatz espis arabamayim. It says barachatz espis arabamayim. We're talking about somebody going to the mikvah that he washes his basar in the mayim. Shleid davachos is ben mayim. There can't be anything that's dividing. So what what's the drush? We think it's a real drush because it says bisaro bamayim. So it sounds like it has to be 
Bamayim, that has to be direct. There can't be anything blocking. If there would be something blocking, even if you would get, technically be in the mikvah, but it wouldn't be besaro directly Bamayim, it wouldn't be good. So it sounds like it's a real drasha. If it's a real drasha, then it's a daraisa. What do I need to say? It's Allah Chatzitza. So the Gemara says like this. Ki Where does Rav tell us? Where does Rav need this point that it's Allah Chatzitza? Not for the concept itself. You're right. The concept itself is a daraisa. But there's a certain applications which only come from Allah Chatzitza. Which application? Lisa'aro, the halacha of the hair. What does that mean? That a chatzitza and the hair could also passle up. So it's an interesting thing. Why you would have said that all the halachas of chatzitza don't apply to hair. Why? Because the Lashon of the Pasuk is bisara. If the whole drasha is bisara b'mayim, so you could say that's very good on the flesh. But in the, in the hair, that's not the flesh. That's just like the extraneous parts that are, are attached to the flesh. But who says there's a din of chatzitza between one's hair if the water can't get directly into all of the hair? Who says that would be an issue? You can't say that's a daraisa. And that must be Allah Chamosh And now the Gemara shows us some, that there is a din of chatzitza in the hair and some of the complexities. Because the Rabbi Barachana, like Rabbi Barachana taught, I'm a Rabbi Barachana, Nima Achaz Kshura Chatzatzas. Let's say you make like, you take one strand of hair, it's much easier to imagine longer strands, not, not ours necessarily, but if you have a longer strand of hair and you make a single knot in one strand, so the idea is if it's one strand of hair, it's going to be very tight. Because whenever, whenever it's within one thing itself, then the tightness will be greater. So that if you make a single knot from one strand of hair, so that's a Chatzitza because it's going to block the water from getting through. But... Shalosh, let's say you take three different hairs and you make a knot through all of them together. That's not going to be because it's not going to be so tight. Even if you make a knot, it's going to be loose. It will still remain loose enough that the water will pass through. Shtayim, if it's too in your day, then I don't know the halacha, Rabbi Barachana says. So the Gemara doesn't really care about the particulars here and what he's talking about, whether, you know, one, three, two. The point that we're trying to just bring from Rabbi Barachana is that a chatzitza in the hair apostles will make. So this din, you can't see from Bissar Bamaim. It's not Bissar. So it must be that the Indian of Sayer having a chatzitza is something that's Allah Moshe Misinai, and that's what Rav was referring to when he said Allah Moshe Misinai. So the Gemara challenges that as well. The Gemara says, Saranami Daraisinin, what are you talking about? That's also referenced in Apostle. es So sometimes, you know, it's a hard thing. The Gemara already tells us that it's machlokas hanam. If you do darshanas, you don't darshanas. Sometimes it's just grammatically correct to have the S. Sometimes we view it as an extra word to make a drasha. But this is one of those cases that we use S as a drasha. And I think, yeah, not that I know the grammar so well, but it kind of sounds like that a little bit off. It, it, it's between the verb and then, and then what the subject is, so it does seem like an extra word, the S. So we say that S means Not only do you have to do a washing to the basar, but you have to do a washing also to the thing that is tafel, to the thing that goes along. It's not the main part. It's not the essential part of the body. It's not the flesh itself, but the part that's tuffled to the body as well, you have to immerse. Am I knew what's tuffled to the body? Sa'aro, the hair. So we see that there's a din, that the varachat, espesaro means that this halacha, that it has to go by mine. It has to go directly in the water and there can't be any chatzit. So it's not only true on the basar, but even on the sayer as well. So now the question comes back, what do we need Rav to tell us the chatzit says are halacha moshimisinah? So the Gemara says, In what regard do we need? Top of the Amid Beige. On a Daraisa level, when we say here, it's like, don't get very confused. When he says Dvar Torah, he also mean, he really means based on the Halachamosh Mizinai. Because he just means to contrast it to words of Dvar So here you see on the page today, 
Sometimes we mean Daraisa to exclude Halach Mashiv Sinai, and sometimes we'll use Dvar Torah to mean something based on Halach Mashiv Sinai. Because it really means two different things. Sometimes our point is something explicit in the Pasuk, and sometimes our point is a Daraisa law versus a rabbinic law. In this context, we mean Dvar Torah, something that's based on a, 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 a Torah law. It could come from Halach Mashiv Sinai. The point is the contrast to Dvarabonet. So Dvar Torah, by Torah law, Rubo Umakbid Alav. The only din of Chatzitza is when it's, it covers the majority. And also, it's something that the person toiling is makbid. He doesn't want it to be there. If there are both variables there, that it's rubo, it covers most of the area, and it's something that the owner is makbid, he wouldn't want it to be there. Meaning, it's something that on a regular Tuesday, you know, he would wash away, make sure it's not there. Then, if both of those variables are, variables are there, it causes a chatzitza. However, let's say you missed that. Let's say it's even something that covers the majority, but the owner is not makbid. It's just something where like, you're happy to have that there. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't make a difference to your life. And even if it covers a majority, that's not a problem of chatzitza. However, the Rabbanon came along and they made a Chazal said that if it's roiv, if it covers the majority, then it's considered a chatzitza, even if the owner is not makbid. And the reason they did that is to protect the case where you have rubo ha-makbid. So again, the only halacha of chatzitza midaraisa, and again, when we say daraisa, we really mean what was given to Moshe Misinai. What was taught to Moshe Misinai was that the, the din of chatzitza is only rubo ha-makbid. And then both variables are present. Chazal are being geyser on Rubo She'eno Makbid, that that's also Midrabbanon Achatisa to protect the case of Rubo HaMakbid. And Chazal also made a second decree, the Almiyuto HaMakbid, this is the most relevant halacha to us, that Midrabbanon, they said, Miyot HaMakbid, even if it's only a min- covering a minority. But if the owner would typically be Makbid on it, then that's a problem. Mishum Rubo HaMakbid. Chazal said that in order to protect the case, where it would be Rubo HaMakbid, they said, Miyot hamakbid is also an issue. So this concept, not, okay, so the Torah says, you know, that we have a din of chatzitza, b'sar b'amayim, es b'sar b'amayim, but what, what constitutes chatzitza? That's not something that's in the Torah at all. That is what we meant, halacha l'moshe misinai. What Hashem said to Moshe misinai was, rubo makbid of That was the memra. That's what we're referring to. Now the Gemara is just, the fact that the Gemara is mentioning these two drabonans has nothing to do with us. It's just a way of bringing out the complexity and what could have been part of the halacha Moshe Misinai. The fact that the Gemara goes on a little bit of a tangent now to bring out that Rubo She'eno Makbid is also Midrabanan and Niyat HaMakbid is also also Midrabanan has no bearing on, what's, on what we need. What we need is one takeaway, that the Torah did not say what Chatzitza is, it just says that conceptually Chatzitza is an issue. And what we need is therefore that there's an opening for Rav's point that Chatzitza could be halacha Moshe Misinai. However, Tangentially, we did mention that Chazal answered two things, Rubo She'eno Makhvid and Miut HaMakhvid. So now the Gemara has a simple question. The Ligs are Nami Al Miuto She'eno Makhvid, Mishim Miut HaMakhvid. It sounds like there's one thing which is still not, a, which is still not an issue, even Midrabana. Miut She'eno Makhvid. If you don't have either variable, it's only on a minority, and the owner is not Makhvid, then it's not a problem. Says the Gemara, why weren't Chazal goes there? They should be answered there. Atu Miut HaMakhvid. Which they answered unto Rubo Hamakbid. Inami Mishim Rubo Sheino Makbid. They should answer Miut Sheino Makbid unto Rubo Sheino Akbid, which they answered unto Rubo Hamakbid. So the Gemara basically wants us to make a double Durabana. Once Chazal answered Rubo Sheino Makbid, and Chazal also answered Miut Hamakbid, then we assume that it should go further and they should answer 
miut she'eno makvid as well. And it doesn't seem that way. It seems that the Rabbanon only asserted rubo she'eno makvid and miut ha'makvid, but they left miut she'eno makvid allowed. So the Gemara asks, why do they go around that as well? So the Gemara tells us, very, very axiomatic idea, since each of those two halachos were only exera themselves, because remember, by Torah law, it's only ruba ha'makvid, and anekov and exera, should we come and make exera to exera? Because I'll make one exera. They don't make exera to protect exera. So since rubo she'eno makvid and miut ha'makvid themselves, are only rabbinic zeras because the only thing that's really chatzitza by Torah law is ruba hamakbid. So they die lanulahachi what they said on one level madrabana. They don't have to go so far and protect it further and say that miut she'enam akbid is also is also a problem. So we therefore end up that even madrabana there's no issue in a miut she'enam akbid. So I just want to say a very important machlokes Rashi and Tesis here. What are we talking about when we when we speak about this this issue of being ruba hamakbid? Tesis understands it's any chatzitza. No, it doesn't make a difference if it's in the hair. It doesn't make a difference if it's in the body. Whether it's a chatzitza in the body or whether it's in the chatzitza in the hair, it's all the same thing now. Because we dash in bizarro and we dash in S, so it's all in the same category. Whether it's in your body, it's in your hair, that's the following rule. The rule is ruba hamakbid. If it's not ruba hamakbid, then it's not a chatzitza midaraisa. Rashi understands not that way. Rashi seems to understand that the whole din of the halacha Moshe Sinai that we're referring to is only in the hair. There's two different categories. There's a chatzitz on b'saro b'mayim, and there's a different din es b'saro b'mayim. It's two different dinim. Two different makarim, two different dinim. The halacha m'shmi sinai that says that there's a din of ruba hamakbid, that's all totally in, 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 in the hair. It's all in the category of the hair that we're subject to all these halachas. But whenever you're learning about chatzitz on the guf, there's no such halacha. That's a very important afkimina, because when, not so much on the daraisa, but what happens then in the drabonahs. Again, the rabbin, the rabbinah are coming along and asering rubo she'eno makbid, asering miyat ha makbid, but they're allowing miyat she'eno makbid. So miyat she'eno makbid is okay, but is it okay in the guf? In, it's, it's certainly okay in the hair. This is where we have the whole thing. But in Rashi, this whole halachim of the whole thing was only in the hair. And in the guf, what's the din? Then what's the talian? It's just any chatzitza whatsoever? Meaning this whole concept that it's only rubo ha makbid, the fi Rashi is only said in the hair. So where does that leave us for, 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 for the regular things in the immersion of the body? Because according to Taisvish, no, it's one collective thing. There's chatzitza in the hair and the body. There's not two different categories, two different dinim, and you have to figure out, you know, was the halakha mishmizina an application to the hair, an application to the body? It's not like that. That's one point to speak out. Now, another very important point to speak out here is shmaka. Uh, I don't want to say it, 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 it's a good twist that the Briskerov has, and it's really a good perspective in the whole chatzitza. Um, would happen if I have a kulo she'eno makbed? We didn't speak about that. We, we spoke about that midaraisa is a problem in ruba ha-makbed. What if I had a kulo? Imagine, you know, a person had some sort of issue that they couldn't get their hair wet. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something, you know? So they went into the mikvah with a chatzitzak in Gansen for their hair. None of their hair could get wet. What would that be? We keep on saying ruba ha-makbed. So it sounds like that, 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 that you don't need the parasha of chatzitzak for. The Briskarov wants to taina. Of course, it's not a good mikvah in that case, but even without the din of chatzitza. You don't need the din of chatzitza to say you didn't go to the mikvah there. Why? Of course, you didn't go to the mikvah. You didn't get your hair wet. <laughs> That's for rachatz es b'mayim, but you can get your hair wet. If it's covering you completely, you can have the same thing if it's your body. Just if you're completely covered, but you went in a mikvah, but you didn't get wet, that's bechlamad for rachatz b'mayim. That's not a halach of chatzitza. That's bechlamad a maizer. That's not a maizer echitza bechlal. Chatzitza means there is a maizer echitza mitzad echad. Mitzad sheni, there's a chatzitza. 
And you would say that as long as there was a mixas that was inside, so there's a din of arachatz. The din of arachatz is fulfilled, but there happens to be it was a chatzitza. That's the din of chatzitza. But whenever it's kulai, then by definition, that's not a maizah chitza at all. Masha'inka, when you go in and part of it's getting wet, then a maizah chitza is there. Just there's a new din. There's a din of chatzitza, and that's what we're figuring out, what constitutes chatzitza. And the daraisa, the dvar Torah is rubah hamakbed, and now we're having the other abundance on the other points. But whenever it's fully that you didn't put your thing in, if all the hair didn't go in, for example, then that's by definition not a maizah rechitza. And it doesn't make a difference if you're makbed or an inomakbed, even if you're not a makbed. Because, you know, we're saying a chatzitza is only when you're makbed. Shkoyach, but then you better have a maizah rechitza as well. If you have a maizah rechitza and the chatzitza that there is inomakbed, then you're fine. But if, there, if, if, you, if none, of, none, none of your body or none of your hair got wet, then stam, there's no matter to rechitza at all. You don't need the din of chatzitza to invalidate that. That's just invalid because you didn't go to the mikvah. It's an interesting concept. Okay, so fine. So now we're good. We explained with Rav what Rav was talking about for chatzitza. So now the Gemara gets back to mechitzas, the third one. Mechitza is hadamara. And mechitza, this that we said, I was referring to what we said, that less than 10 tvachim is not a good wall. Says the Gemara says, it's good that you need it according to Rabbi Yudah. Remember, because Rabbi Yudah said that the whole lima that we had from the Kapores, that Nen told us that the Kruvim, where it says that they were seichichim bekanfeim, it didn't work out according to Rabbi Yudah if an Amma was only five tvachim. Remember, on yesterday's daf, we learned according to Rabbi everything was good. And Amma was six tvachim, so it was perfect. Everything taught us exactly all the calculations. Everything was good. It was ten tefachim. So we don't need the halacha. The Gemara, that's what we're coming back and asking. Why do we need the halacha according to our mayor? So the Gemara says, You're right. You don't need it for the essential point that a mechitza is ten tefachim high. But you need it for other applications in the dinam of mechitzas. First of all, good. So remember, like we learned good asik. Once you have a mechitza that's ten tefachim high, then it keeps on rising higher. We mentioned that in Daftalit. So that's one halacha. Lavud, if I have gaps that are less than three tefachim, they're considered closed because of lavud. And daifan akuma, that if I have schach pasul on the side that's less than four amos, that I can imagine that the wall is part of the wall, that the wall went up and, be- and bent it to, and before I get to the schach kosher. All of those things are halacha moshim sinais, and that's what uh, Rav may have been referencing. Okay, very good. Now we go weiter, the next psul of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that a sukkah that does not have three walls is not good. So Tanar we learned in a price. A sukkah has to have two kilchasan, meaning like good walls. Good walls meaning, and we'll see exactly as we go through sukkah, it's not so easy to know what kilchasan means. But let's just say it for simply today, covering the whole side of the sukkah. We'll see that that's not exactly a precise statement. Things get complicated, but it means real proper walls. The third wall could even be one tefach long. And we'll see in tomorrow's daf exactly where that one tefach is, but it could be shorter. Reb Shimon Omer, Reb Shimon says, Shalosh kilchaser. No, no, no. Three sides have to be a full walls. Uruvias only then on the fourth side, afilu tefach, even tefach one. So the machlokas is whether a sukkah fundamentally has to have three walls or four walls. So Rabbanon holds to be three walls, Reb Shimon holds has to be four walls. But everybody agrees that the last wall does not have to be a full wall. So the Gemara now tells us, but my commitment, what is the root of the issue? Rabbanon savar yeshim l'masoyres, Rabbi Shimon savar yeshim l'mekra. The question is, how do we darsh in the Torah? Oftentimes, we have, a, we have discrepancies between the masoyres and the mikra. The masoyres is the way that the words 
appear, not necessarily the way the, the words are pronounced, but the way they appear and the tradition of what the letters are. And then Mikra is the way that it is read. So a great example here is that we're going to see the Torah says a bunch of times, Basukos, from Shokim Parshas Emar, it says, Basukos, Teshu Shiva, Samim, Kolzak, we saw Yeshu Basukos, Maniyu, Dorasechim, Ki Basukos, Hoshafti, Ispene Israel. So if you look at, at, at the letters in the Torah, the first two times, it, so it says it three times, but the first two times that it says it, it says Basukos Chaser. In other words, it doesn't say it with a Vav, it says it without a Vav. So the Masores would be as if it said Basukas. Now it's not really pronounced that way, we read it Basukos. And the difference is when the, whether it's singular or whether it's plural. So if I hold Yesh Imla Masores, so basically the three times that it says Basukos, I interpret differently. The first two times as if it, it is as if it said Basukas. So it's one plus two. And then when I get the third one that's written with above, basukos, then I get another two, I get four, I get plural. So I have a, a, a total of four. Whereas if I hold yesh imla mikra, then it's as if every single time you go with the pronunciation, it's basukos, basukos, basukos. So it's two plus two plus two, which gives me a total of six. That's the main question here in the methodology, the way that we expound the Torah. So now the Gemara speaks it out. Abonan tzavr yesh imla we go after the rate that it is written, so we have basukos, basukos, basukos. The first time without a vav. The first two times without a vav. Only the third time with a vav. So we have one plus two. One, one plus one is two. And then plus another two is four. So if I have four, so dal chad legufe. This is an important point in the, in the drasha. I always knock out one of the four because that's legufe. What does legufe mean? That that's just the dint of sitting in a sukkah. That's not a drasha. Of the four, that one is just, okay, sitting in a sukkah. We're not darshaning that. So you really only have three extras that we're trying to look at. And we say that the three extras that we're looking at are telling us that a sukkah has to have three walls. Three sukkahs is three walls. Shayim of the kilchas. And of the three walls, two are full. And comes along the halacha Moshmi Sinai. Convenient that we assume there's such a halacha. Halacha Moshmi Sinai says that the third wall could even be just one tafach. That's the methodology of the Rabbana. So again, Yeshim Masores. So the first two ones are written without a vav, so one plus one. The second, the third one is written male, so plus another two, I have four. One, I don't darshan, I have three remaining. Shtayim kochasan, and the halacha mashim sinai says that the third one could be afilu tefach. That's the opinion of the rabbanan yeshim l'masoret. Comes along with shimin, rabshim l'sabar yeshim l'mekra. We darshan based upon the way it's pronounced. So basukos, basukos, basukos. Each one is as if it's written with a vav, because that's the way we pronounce it. So it's two plus two plus two, I reconciliation. We really have six different references in the Torah to a sukkah. So dal chad kra legufei of those. So here it's interesting. It's a little tricky in the methodology. We take away one basukos legufei because the Torah is telling you sit in a sukkah. So you really only have two basukoses in the plural, meaning you only have four. So we add six minus two legufei. So we have four to darshin. Arba. We have four references to sukkah that are remaining. So that's a reference to four walls. Shalosh kilchas. And of those four walls, four, three of them have to be full. The halach Moshiach comes and, and, and says that the fourth wall could be smaller. And it says that even if it's just a tefach long, it is okay. So the first root of the, the our first analysis of the machlekes is whether yeshim l'masoris or yeshim l'mikra. Comes along the Gemara in a second interpretation. Or if you want, you could say different. You could say, Really? Everybody holds Yeshim La Mikra. So Yeshim La Mikra, everything, really, there were six different references. If there were six different references, I took away one of them, so I had four. So why the Rabbanan saying a sukkah only needs three walls? The Rabbanan hold that of those, of those four, one of them is necessary for the schach. What, the schach is not? The Torah is also referencing schach. It's not just telling you how many walls are needed. It's saying four, including one for the schach. 
So it means the schach plus three walls. That's the Rabbanan. Omar says, no, 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 no. You don't need a pasuk for the schach. If you don't need a pasuk for the schach, so all of the four are referencing here how many walls are needed. What's the shaila if the schach means a pasuk or not? Very interesting question. So we had already in that phase, such a Yisraeli Sikarashi, um, and we were talking about the shade of the sukkah and different things. We were talking about also the height of knowing that you're in a sukkah. We're going to see a tension throughout the Masechta on the following question, which is what's the ikra of the sukkah? The defanos or the schach? And it seems that very much, although there is a tension, but very much the ikra is the schach. In fact, Rashi says, that's the name, right? What's a sukkah? Ikra sukkah, Rashi says, al shem aschach That's the Lashon of Rashi and Daf Beis. So that's what's behind this here. You don't need a Pasuk to tell us that a sukkah needs schach. It's like saying, schach is schach, right? Sukkah is schach. What is a sukkah? What defines a sukkah? And the definition of a sukkah is a schach type of location where the, where the roof is a schach. So therefore, you don't need a Pasuk for that. that that's where Rabbi Shimon is arguing. So therefore, all the references are for the walls. Yeah. Ah, you're saying, you're saying lo tzarech kra, but, 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 but because of the fact that it's, um, it's mentioned before in Lagufe. Is that what you mean? Very good. I don't think that's what Lagufe means. I think Lagufe means, it's just telling you, the, like not darshaning. It's just telling you, go, go do the mitzvah. But I, but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Let's see in the next, in the next thing. Because in two answers, we're going we're gonna to tweak something. Let's see. Comes along, so in the second approach, the question is whether the schach is counted. Comes along, the Gemara third approach. So now don't get confused here. We're going back and saying everybody goes actually now Yeshim Lamasoras. So then you should really only have three extra ones, right? Because Yeshim Lamasoras, we had the first two were Chaser and the, the third one was Mali. So we only had four. One of them was Lagufe. So now you only have three. So how does Reb Shimon get four walls? The question is what the halacha Mashimasinai did. Until now we've been assuming, and this is what the Rabbanan assume, that the halacha isn't adding a wall. The halacha is saying of the walls that were referenced in the Pasuk, the last one, the, 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 the number three or the number three that you have could even be one tavach. So it's megarea. It, it's, it's, it's saying that the din could be less than you would have thought you needed. Rabbi Shimon says, no, the halach is coming to add onto what you need. Had the Torah just said, we didn't have halach Mishmissinai about anything, you would just say three walls. Comes along the halacha and adds, you need an extra tavach on the fourth wall. So everybody agrees how many walls are referenced in the Torah. Three. Yeshim and you need one lagufe. So therefore you have four minus one, you only have three. So from the Torah, it only references three walls. The Rabbanan say the halacha diminishes the size, how much you need in the third wall could even be a teva. Zakhtar Shimon, no. The halacha is coming to add that you need a fourth wall that is a teva long. So it's a question of what the halacha is doing, not how many, not how many sukkahs were referenced in the Torah. That's the third approach. Comes along in the Gemara, the fourth approach. Everybody agrees that the halacha is comes to mikareya. It's not adding a wall. It's just saying that the last wall doesn't have to be so big. Everybody agrees that the masoras is the ikr. So there's really only four. There were four four references. So until now, we've been assuming you need one lagufe. So if you need one lagufe, the mitzvah telling you to sit in the sukkah. So there's only three references to walls. So how does Reb Shimon get an extra wall? The question is, that premise that we were making, that you can't dash in the first pasukos because it's legufe, that's where Reb Shimon disagrees in. Reb Shimon is dorish tchilos. Dorish tchilos means that even if the Torah is telling you the pshito shel mikra, like just go do it, Reb Shimon is dorish tchilos. He says that's also a drasha. Reb Shimon doesn't see like there's, a, there's a, something you distinguish between pshito shel mikra, between what the mitzvah is telling you, and the drasha. It's all one. The, the pshuto, the drash, it's all one. 
And if it's all one, then if their Torah said four, again, Yeshiva Masara, so it's one plus one plus two. So you have four. Rabbi Shimon says, I can dash on all those four. So you have four walls. Rabban is saying, no, no, no. Number one is just telling you, sit in the sukkah. There's no drasha. So you really only have three. Rabbi Shimon says, no, you can dash on Tchilos. The Veld says that Rabbi Shimon, who dash on Tchilos, is because Rabbi Shimon Vayichai is Mr. Drash. There is no Shuto Shomikra. Inka Zedavar. Shimon is the mystery. Everything's the Zohar. Everything's mystical. So everything's drasha. So Reb Shimon is Darius Tchilos. It's like a very geschmack way of remembering it. Reb Shimon is Darius Tchilos. So to him, even the first one could be Darshim. So you see that there, even though there's only four, you don't have to take out one for the simple thing. So this is what Michael Esau was saying. I think you see in the Gemara that Legufe and Darshim Tchilos are the same. Like that's what's tweaked, is tweaked here. Now we're saying, oh, Reb Shimon could Darshim Tchilos. So he has four. Finally, a fifth source for Reb Shimon. Again, when we say a fifth, we mean if we're going to assume Yeshim Lamasoretz, and we're going to assume that the halacha is being megarea. And if we don't want to say darish tchilo, so we have no source for a fourth wall. So Zogti Gemara in the fifth analysis, we go back to that Pasuk. We spoke about this Pasuk on that base. That the sukkah has to provide, sheet from, has to provide a shade from the heat a protection from the rains and the storms. So Reb Shimon is saying that if it doesn't have a fourth wall, then it's not going to do that. So this is a very important drasha because... First of all, it's a shikl shver to look at it as a halacha, which is coming from the Pasuk in Yeshaya. We really saw that on Dafbez. It's not such a Pasha thing. But here's the deeper point. The deeper point is, what did we see on Dafbez? That when we say the sukkah is a shade, what do we mean the sukkah is a shade? The skach has to be the shade. Remember, Reb Zerah said, higher than 20 amos is no good. Why? Because the shade will be coming from the walls, not from the skach. Now in Davov, we're seeing the Reb Shimon's Makar, that a sukkah needs a fourth wall. Why? Because a sukkah has to protect you from the rain. Ah, a sukkah can't protect you from the rain unless there's a fourth wall. So what's, what's giving you the protection? The wall. So we see in Reb Shimon an extra tension here that he's saying that the sukkah incorporates more in the walls than the Rabbanan do. The Rabbanan don't see it that way. So that what ends up as a machlokas is whether we look at here that this din in the Pasuk and Yeshaya that the sukkah should be a protection from the rain as whether it requires that now structurally there has to be a fourth wall. Now even according to Reb Shimon, the halacha came along and said that the fourth wall could only be a tefach. Right? So it's an interesting thing. I would say it's not so much about the extra fourth tefach as much as the third wall being complete. Right? In the Rabbanan, you have a three complete three sides, but the halacha said no, that the third wall could be just a tefach. So it's pretty much open on two sides. Whereas according to Reb Shimon, it has to be totally, completely full on three sides. And the fourth wall going to be tefach, so that's what's going to be a protection. And we end up seeing that Shiloh about how much of a role are the Tefanos playing in the sukkah.